All right, we're going to make sure I get this on. I'm in. Okay, we're going to be studying um, the Peter and Paul, or Paul and Peter, however you want to do it, in Galatians. Uh, Galatians chapter 2, we'll be there, we'll jump around a bit, but um, Stan's been talking about uh, the writing to the Christians there in Galatia. And as you can tell that Paul's letter is coming with a punch. A lot of times uh, Paul would write a letter to the church at wherever and tell them how great they were doing, this, this, and this. And then he would bring a little zinger uh, at the end. Hey, we need you to... But in Galatia, he came at it, and it was like when, my mom's here, so she'll know, uh, when I did something that I knew better, I got in more trouble for doing that instead of something that if I, you know, did it just, you know, by mistake. And uh, the word disappointment came out. And, you know, you hated that word. I am disappointed with you. I'm like, oh, just go ahead and spank me or something. Let's get this over with. I want to hear the disappointment. And that's kind of what Paul has been doing as we've been studying here. He's been um, dealing with a lot of personalities. Uh, and he's in the Gentile world. Uh, and it looks like a lot like today uh, where we are. And so what I'm going to do is look at the equality in Christ. And before we go into the study in Galatia, uh, Galatians, let's see if it works. Am I working, Andrew? Oh, it helps when I turn it on. I see it up there. Okay, so what I want to do is in, in Christianity, and I put it in the right view of Peter and Paul. What's some things that mm, Christianity thinks of Peter and Paul? Anybody know? What do they think Peter? What do they think about Peter? In, in just general terms. Yes. Okay, he was the first pope. That's what a lot of people think. Uh, and what about Paul? You're going to see some things here. Uh, when I was in Rome, I was able to see a statue of Peter and Paul together. And uh, you'll see some of this. But as you see on the screen here, uh, Peter, they, they say, is the first pope because who gave him the keys to the kingdom? Jesus. And so you'll see some pictures here that uh, uh, I got off the internet and there's the footnote there. You can't see it, but uh, someone painted this and what their vision was. So you see Peter holding what? He's holding the keys and he's got the word in there. Uh, and that's because Jesus said, what? I'm going to give you the kingdom, the kingdom and on your faith, I'm going to build what? Build the church, right? And so that's what uh, uh, is depicted here. And then the next one is Paul is holding a sword. And uh, two reasons is what in this picture is what Christianity thinks. He talked about the whole armor of God, right? And the word of God is what? Is a sword, two-edged sword. And, you know, the Hebrew writer, which a lot of people, you know, lean towards Paul, is a two-edged sword, isn't it? But also, Paul was beheaded by a sword. And so a lot of uh, people in the Christianity uh, uh, world, that's what they think of Peter and Paul. Uh, the next picture is that what we're going to discuss today a little bit, they pull out of Galatian and they say that they reconciled. And what are they holding in between their hands? 
a model of a church building, right? And so they said that they finally came back together. And um, you can see that uh, Peter still has the keys. And Paul's got the, the word of God in his hand, which is still the sword. And so uh, just a couple of days ago on June 29th, there's a Peter and Paul feast that they separ- they, uh, most um, Orthodox and other uh, religious beliefs uh, sep- uh, celebrate for their being killed in Rome on June the 29th, about three to four years apart, supposedly. So they have this big feast. Uh, I've never heard of it. Have y'all? Okay. I learned something new just on June 29th. And so uh, just some information about what people think. Uh, When I saw the statue in Rome, uh, and I'm going to go back, just one. If you look in the background, I don't know if you can see, if you look in the background behind the sword and stuff, that's, that's Rome. That is... Uh, basically where the Pope is. And so you can see what the picture's trying to articulate, right? That they are overseeing the whole uh, church and religion. We know that's not true, and that's why we're going to talk about some of this in the equality. Let's talk about a few attributes of uh, Peter and Paul before we get into the study. Uh, Peter was born in where? Capernaum. He lived around that area of Galilee, right? And that city is still there. Paul was born in Tarsus, but he lived and studied where? In Jerusalem. And those two cities today are still in existence uh, on that. Uh, Peter served and worked for Jesus. What did Paul do? He worked against him and then for Jesus, right? He never did serve with Jesus, might you say. Uh, but so there's a little bit of differences there. Uh, one was married. One was adamant that he was not going to get married, uh, as, as far as we know. And uh, the scripture says that. Uh, we have uh, Peter being a fisherman. His writing is simple. And what? He was more uneducated. Uh, and he really, really, and if you go back and look at Peter in the, in the Gospels, and then you get it into First and Second Peter, you can see how his development in the way that he communicated uh, went to where Paul was what? He was trained, right? And he challenged your intellect all the time. Uh, if you read any of his studies, he's going to challenge your intellect. And uh, he was highly educated also. Uh, and he was proud of that, uh, as we know in some of the writings. One, Peter was impulsive, and Paul was enthusiastic uh, on that. And these are some differences. Uh, Paul, I mean Peter, he, he loved Jesus, had confidence in Jesus, then finally lived with his faith. Uh, Paul, he was a persecutor at first, Jesus. Then he got his confidence, uh, attitude adjustments, what my dad used to call it, uh, got his confidence uh, moved, and then his faith became uh, strong. Supposedly Peter was a little older uh, when he started his ministry because he'd been with Jesus for three years and he was a little older, where Paul, uh, in secular worlds, uh, could have been a little bit younger when he started his. Uh, Peter evangelized mostly to the Jews. We know that there, uh, he did evangelize to the Gentiles, uh, to where Paul mainly uh, evangelized to the uh, Gentiles. Peter wrote two uh, epistles uh, with about eight chapters, 
and Paul wrote approximately 14 chapters with 100, I mean 14 epistles with 100 chapters. Yes, sir. Definitely so. And uh, some of the studies I looked at is Paul, whenever he did go into Jerusalem for a while, he, they, Peter and Paul never interacted. And don't know why that is. It could be because both of them were humble and bold or bold and humble, however, which way you want to look at it. And, um, um, but we're going to talk about that here in just a minute. Uh, Peter's writing is more simple to the point. And it's like, yep, I get that, I get that. Paul is intellectually writing, and he's challenging your, your, your knowledge and wisdom, and he's going to challenge it. But at the end, you're like, okay, I see it. There's sometimes when you read these scriptures, you're like, okay, what is he saying? And it's really he's digging in and he's challenging your thinking uh, to really uh, pull it out. And then um, some similarities as we go through there. Both of them were uh, from the Jewish uh, background, even though Paul did have a, a father that uh, had Roman uh, citizenship. They were both called by Jesus, and both of their names were changed. What, what was Peter's name? Simon or Cephas? But then he said, we're going to call you Peter. And then Jesus said, okay, Saul, now we're going to call you Paul. So both names uh, were changed on that. The Holy Spirit came upon both of them, and they were able to give that power uh, to someone, uh, only, you know, uh, for them. The miracles, they were able, performed uh, many miracles, and both of them raised uh, people from the dead. Uh, so there's some similarities there. Uh, the missionary work, they were both zeal, bold, and energetic. And then uh, they were both preachers and teachers. Uh, Peter being from a fisherman, didn't really preach a lot. And then on the day of Pentecost, he preached, didn't he? And then he can continue doing that, and then he taught. And then uh, both of them had a firm in their faith for the sinners and repentance. So if they found someone that wasn't doing something right, they called them out. And we know Ananias and Sapphira was one, right? They both said, hey, we're giving the monies, and it didn't. And then Paul's called different folks out. Um, this goes back to Stan Quinn, what he's talking about. They were both humble and bold. Bold or humble, however you want to uh, look at it, it can be, you can have both of those. Uh, they were both persecuted in so many ways, uh, and they both ended up being a martyr for Christ. So I do all that to give you a perspective of what we're about ready to go in in our studies. Uh, so turn in your Bibles to uh, Galatians 2, uh, 1 through 2, and we're going to talk about uh, the different um, visits that Paul made and Peter made. And so in Galatians 2, uh, it talks about um, Paul going to Jerusalem. And we've already talked a little bit about that uh, with Stan covering some. But let's go ahead and read verses uh, 1 through uh, 5 of Galatians chapter 2. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. 
I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery. To them we did not yield in submission, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And so this is talking about uh, when Paul headed to Jerusalem. And what was the reason that he headed to Jerusalem? And I like to ask some questions sometimes, so we'll have to, this is new for me. I'm usually in a classroom and I'm working it. But uh, uh, why did Paul go to Jerusalem? Yep. A court case into Jerusalem. Well, uh, this is after he had persecuted the Christians. So he's going back because there's people that have come in and said, hey, you're talking Christianity or Christian, being a Christian to uh, circumcised, uncircumcised people. So he had to go back to Jerusalem. And then people had sent spies in, might you say, uh, into some of these congregations and saying, hey, what's going on? Why are you doing this? You're not part of it. And if you look in verse 2, I think it was, he said, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't running in vain. What does that mean to you when you say running in vain? When Paul says, I wanted to make sure I wasn't running in vain. Yeah, he wanted to get the right information to people. And he wanted to make sure this is what I was told to go do. And he wanted to make sure. So he went back to Jerusalem. They had the big council. And so if you go to... Uh, Acts chapter 15. Turn to Acts chapter 15. And we'll read that. And this is reflecting on what uh, took place. In your Bible, it might have a heading called the Jerusalem Council. Um, and this is the questions that were coming up. And I'll just read uh, 1 through 4. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about the question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both and Samaria, describing in detail the conversation of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order uh, to keep them in the law of Moses. So we talked about, uh, Stan's talked a little bit about this. So I'm setting this up because this is when Paul and Peter get to meet each other. Uh, and what was Peter's main mission work? Uh, after the day of Pentecost, where did he spend most of his time doing his mission work? Jerusalem. And it was, and you'll see Paul say, to the, to the circumcised. To where Paul was, his main mission was to the Gentiles for the uncircumcised. 
And so this is uh, setting this up, uh, what the occasion was of when they met. When this council is over, uh, they go back with a letter. And the letter saying, after a lot of debate, James writes a letter saying, what? What's the letter? Do you remember? After the Jerusalem Council was completed with their, all their discussion and debate, what did the letter really say? Right. The Gentiles did not have to be circumcised. And that was, this was providential. It took a lot of people to talk through this, but they realized that everybody was equal in Christ. Okay, and this is going to set up the, the, the Peter visiting uh, Antioch here in just a few minutes uh, in Galatia. And, and, and so the letter is basically giving Paul and Barnabas not an authority, but a support that what their work has and will be doing for the Gentiles is okay. And this came from the elders and the apostles uh, that they were in Jerusalem. I sit around the table with uh, seven other men and we have a lot of debates. Uh, and we might agree to disagree. We, you know, work through some things, but in the end, we all unify and agree this is what we're going to do. And hopefully you see that from what we do. And it's a blessing that I've been able to work, I think now in six different uh, elderships uh, as, as it's going along. And we've all said, no, where does the scripture lead us what does the scripture tell us and this is what was going on here they were saying what did God have us uh, do and so uh, that letter uh, that came and if you look in uh, 15 like we read in 15 um, chapters 2 through I mean verses 2 through 4 the question was is it okay to take the word of God to the uncircumcised that was the that was basically the question that caused a lot of discussion, but then a letter that was sent out. Today, what would you get for some type of validation? When you've made an agreement or you've made a deal with someone, what do you ask for in return? Something in writing, right? It's the world that we live in today, right? Used to, you could put out your hand and shake your hand, and then what, what did that mean? I was going to live up to what I agreed to. Today, now, hey, can you put that in writing? Or can you send me a contract? Uh, and at work, I have to do that sometimes. Some people I know I can work with. Other people, I have to send an email back after we've had a discussion. Hey, per our discussion, blah, 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 and send it. And it's just the way that we work in. But in this case, uh, Paul is working uh, to take that out. What's the outcome? Uh, we won't read it, but Acts 15, 6 through 29 is basically... Uh, Paul, Barnabas, Titus, and others going back and saying, we're good. I did not run in vain. I didn't do this just out of, you know, something that was a, uh, a popular thing going on. He was able to go back and say, we're going to continue uh, with our work. So go back to Galatians uh, chapter 2. And we'll read uh, the next part of what's happening here. And so in verse 6, chapter 2, it says, And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. 
On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. And so what's happened here is the visitors came uh, from Jerusalem and he calls them pillars. Pillars. When you, uh, if you were to say that in your, we don't use that word a lot today, but if you say that, well, who would be some examples of pillars in your life? Someone just give me some examples. Who would be a pillar in your life? Your parents. Okay. You have grandparents too, right? Uh, other pillars in life is someone that might have mentored you, right? And what did, what, what basically gave them that status of being a pillar in your life? What were some of the reasons? Respect, trust, guidance, advice, stability, uh, and uh, reproof, <laughs> discipline, you know, different things uh, that you would say, wow, so-and-so is a big influence in my life. We don't use the word pillar today. So in this case, John, Cephas uh, is talked about, James. What were they in Paul's mind as a pillar? What was their pillar? That he, why, why did he call them a pillar? Oh, good helper. We know that James, uh, Peter, and John were all apostles, and they worked with Jesus for three years, right? Where was Paul during this whole time? Yeah, and, and after the church started, he was persecuting. He didn't consider them a pillar. He considered uh, James, Peter, John, and the other apostles what? They're adversaries. I'm going to take them down. And so now what's he writing about? at least these three. They're pillars. And of course we know that he had been, uh, Jesus had come to him on the road to Damascus. He got an attitude adjustment, might you say. And he said, all right, I'm going after it. He used that bold, that zeal, that enthusiastic uh, piece to say, I'm going there. And then he now said, they are what? My partners here. You know, in the same effort. Today, we haven't shaked hands as many uh, times in the last two years for obvious reasons. But when I come up and I stick my right hand out, what am I saying? I don't want to take you down, right? When I go up and I want to shake hands with somebody, that's saying I'm welcoming you, right? You know, I'm in fellowship with you. Um, you know, when I stick my right hand out and we make a handshake, you also want to look the person in the eye. You don't want to you know, now we, I had to do that when mom or dad said, y'all need to say you're sorry. Sorry. You know, we would, we would stick our head down or something like that. And, of course, we got more uh, trouble for 
look them in the eye and really mean it. And you parents have probably have said that to your kids, mean it, you know. And, um, but when I go to handshake, you want someone to give you a what? A firm handshake or a dead fish handshake? <laughs> you want a good handshake and you're saying, I agree with you. I am in, you know, fellowship with you. If you don't like someone, are you going to shake their hand? Hey, I'm going to shake hand and tell you I don't like you. You know, <laughs> it doesn't happen. Um, now, anybody from the Boy Scouts? All right, I knew you were, Phil. What hand did you shake with? Your left hand. Why did you shake with your left hand? Let's see if you remember. Well, the scout sign's on the right hand, but you shake with your left hand. I don't know if you ever noticed that, but when scouts, you shake with your left hand. Supposedly, and that's uh, why you wear a ring on your finger, this blood vessel is the closest to the heart on your left hand. So the, they flipped it and said that's the fellowship because it's closer to the heart, you shake hands. And then there were some other, if you earned some different uh, um, ranks, you, you moved your fingers around and did a little different handshake when you did it. You didn't know it, but we were doing some special handshakes. And as a scoutmaster, it took me a little bit to learn that. And then the mom's like, why are y'all shaking left hands? And we had to explain some of that, but that's the way the Boy Scouts uh, uh, did it. And so the right hand was fellowship, and this one was, hey, we're brothers, we're together. And here Paul says that he offered the right hand. What was the other sign before we see this of fellowship? What was a sign that in that day and time that was fellowship? Greet each other with a holy kiss. Okay, I've been to Italy and it's a little awkward. When you get to someone, bam, bam, you're like, oh, what was that? You know, and it's kind of weird. You're in my personal space, right? I'm okay like this, but you come and start kiss me on the cheek and things. But it says greet each other with a holy kiss. What did Paul do when he headed back to Jerusalem for his last trip to Jerusalem before he went to Rome? The elders of Ephesus met him, and how did they leave each other? With a kiss. Okay? And so that was fellowship. Why had now they gone to the right hand? It could have been because of the Gentiles. That was a different... Uh, uh, it was a cultural thing that maybe wasn't quite the same in the Gentile world. Could be, I don't know. Uh, but it's a culture. But anyway, it doesn't matter. In the end, they reached out their hand and gave their fellowship. That was their sign to saying, Paul, Barnabas, beloved Paul and Barnabas will be said, you are in fellowship and we're together. You're going to work with this group of folks. We're going to go back and continue working where we are and so forth. So that's part of the uh, occasion here for Paul visiting uh, Jerusalem, went back to Acts. It was really about the circumcision. So let's go to the next. So the occasion here, let's go back into Galatians chapter 2, and we'll read verses uh, 11 uh, through 13 first. In, in my Bible it says, Paul opposes Peter. But when Cephas came, or Cephas, uh, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically, 
along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, uh, before them all, if you, though a Jew, like, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like the Jews? And so <clears throat> let's unpack this just a little bit. How many of us have been guilty of this? We go somewhere, new place, we go and sit with some new people, we have you know, conversation, and when we see somebody we know, we say, hey, it's nice to meet you, and off you go to those people that you might know better. Nothing wrong with that, it's a comfort zone, right? You know, it's things. Uh, some of us have done this. And in this case, Peter was, had what? Peer pressure. He had peer pressure, and along the way, Peter had been taught to go ahead and take the word of God to who? Not only the Jews, but who? Yeah, Cornelius was a Gentile, and he had the vision. Remember he had the vision? What was the vision? The sheep, all these unclean things coming down, and Peter's like, ooh, can't handle that. But that was God's way of saying what? Yep, you're going to take it. And he took it to Cornelius and the whole family. And how long did Peter spend with Cornelius? It says three days. He just didn't go in and say, hey, Cornelius, glad you're a Christian. I'm out of here because I can't handle it. He spent three days with him. That was uncharacteristic for that Jewish culture. So here he's gone up. He's been hanging out with the Gentiles, uh, the Christian uh, uh, people that are Gentiles, uh, and doing just fine. But when someone comes in that is of, quote, higher authority or something, what did Peter do? He drew back. And he did it to a point that he even influenced who? Barnabas. And Barnabas had, had been hanging with Paul the whole way, and all of a sudden Barnabas says, hey, I think I'm going to hang up over here. And <clears throat> this is where you see the equality. If Peter was the pope, then Paul had no authorization to do what? To chastise Peter. Paul had no authority because P Peter would have been what? The head of the church, and you don't get to challenge the head of the church unless you make an appointment or whatever. You wouldn't call out the pope or the leader in front of everybody, too. What did, P what did Paul say? He called them out where? Where everybody could hear. Okay? And that goes back to that bold and humbleness. Yes, sir. I agree. Bill's saying basically Peter was still not quite there, so he was sent there to get a little attitude adjustment. And he didn't know that morning when he walked in, hey, I'm going to go eat with the, my new Christian brothers and sisters. And then when someone showed up from the circumcised party, he went away. He had not quite got that change yet, had he? And so Paul called him out uh, on this. And Paul, knowing that... Um, him being a Jew, he was kind of in a no man's land if you were to continue doing your Jewish heritage. He's hanging out with the Gentiles. He would always go to the, Sabbath, uh, to the uh, synagogue, right, to meet with the Jews, and then they would say, eh, get out of here. He would then go find the Gentiles. 
In this case, you're exactly right. Peter is getting, um, he was opposed. And if you, um, could you go and oppose the President of the United States? Yes, you could. But how would you get to make your, uh, your, your case or whatever? You'd have to go through somebody to somebody to somebody to then get scheduled. Well, if that was, if Peter was truly the Pope, he wouldn't have been able to go. Paul wouldn't have been able to go straight into him. So keep that in mind as we go. Um, but here, they both get called out, Barnabas, James, Peter, uh, and others. Paul says, you, in, in the last verse here, is your conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. And that is in uh, verse uh, 14. That's that word of what? Disappointment. Now, who died and made Paul God? That's what some of us would have said, right? Well, who died and made you God? Who, who made you the judge here? <clears throat> well, guess what? Paul had the authority to do that because he was in the word and he saw the, the action. And we've all been guilty of choosing who we are comfortable with versus working with everyone. Uh, and we'll just, you know, continue. So Paul uh, calls them out uh, before them all. And he basically challenges him. And what does Peter do? <clears throat> Let's go through uh, verses. Um, well, <clears throat> it is, and it's here, Second uh, Galatians 2, 11, 4. Peter, we don't see a lot more about Peter and Paul uh, after this. They do uh, probably cross paths. Uh, sometime there is some um, secular religious studies that say that they, they preach together in Rome. We don't know that. Uh, we know that Peter was, was uh, crucified in Rome and Paul was beheaded in Rome, but not at the same time. But their, their paths might have crossed uh, somewhere along the way. But in this day and time, um, if I were to challenge you for your beliefs, what would be some of your reactions? Or your, I'm challenging you on your actions and maybe your beliefs. What would be, and I did it right here in front of everybody. What would you consider that? How would you react if I did that? No reaction? Very offensive? Defensive and offensive? <laughs> If I called Jim, I, you know, blah, 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 you'd be like, well, brother, let me tell you. And what would we do? We'd stick our, we wouldn't hit each other, but we would be ready to go to battle, wouldn't we? And you'd be embarrassed. And then afterwards, you know, half of you would say, why did you call him out? The other half say, well, don't talk to me like that. I mean, it could cause all kind of issues, right? Um, what do we do in this culture? Most of the time we go and talk to someone where? About an issue in private somewhere. We go have a discussion, right? Hey, can I talk to you for a minute or two? We go out. I don't call you out right now. Um, now, when I was, when we were in school, we all got called out, right? And if, if one didn't do it, then all of us got punished for it, didn't we? I mean, yeah, it was like, okay, y'all gonna have to write on the board, every one of you, and we're like, oh, you, you wanted to, you wanted to, <laughs> after school, go talk to that person and shake them and say, what is, what is going on? You made me have to do this. Um, and I learned a lot uh, from doing some of those things. But in this case, 
Peter's called out. He realizes he's not right. Barnabas, James, and some others are in the same situation. Doug. That's right. It is, and I will tell you, as an elder, you know, there's been times people say, hey, so-and-so and so-and-so, they've really, you know, da-da-da-da, and I said, have you talked to them? No. Well, there's the issue right there. Well, let, go talk to them first, and then let's come back. You know, because what do we do? Our perception, and we start doing what? Filling in gaps. We start doing all kind of things. Go talk to that person. Sometimes like, oh, I didn't know I crossed you. I didn't know that, that you know you perceived me as that way. I'm glad you came and talked to me. And it's difficult at times. So um, as we go forward, let's look at Second Peter. Let's go to Second Peter. And this is where Peter's going to reflect uh, partly on this day that took place in uh, Antioch. But go to Second Peter 3 through 15. And we'll read that. Second Peter 3, 15 through 16. Actually, I'll read 14. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of the Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. And as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them, of these matters there are some things in them that are hard to understand which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures you therefore beloved knowing this beforehand take care that you are not carried away with error of lawlessness people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. What did Paul see now about Paul? I mean, Peter, what did Peter see about Paul now? He's telling the folks, the beloved Paul, not that he was elevating Paul. If he was the Pope, he wouldn't be elevating him, would he? Um, he's basically saying, look at the scriptures and the words that he said and the wisdom given there. He is remembering, in my opinion, partly of his learning that took place in Antioch and others. But he's saying, follow what Paul said. Sometimes it's hard to understand. And that's because, and it's really not, but Paul is attacking that intellect. He's wanting to break down your confidence in yourself and put your confidence in, in Jesus. Yes. did he did and Peter's remembering this right here you know in, in, in his writing how eloquent is this writing now you know Peter's writing is, is so eloquent so as we close if Paul were to come in here today 
would he call you out for the Lord? <laughs> he might. You know, and you'd be like, well, who are you? But then you need to stop and reflect and say, okay, who am I serving? Am I serving Todd or am I serving God? Am I following Jesus or am I following Todd or someone else? And that's what is going on. So as we finish up, uh, the courage of Paul and the humility of Peter and the boldness both, they equal that they had the same faith. This is the outcome. They had the same faith, and all Paul was doing was challenging Peter in his faith because he know he saw Peter going back towards his cultural uh, habits, and we can be guilty of that uh, at times. But they had the same faith. He's basically saying that they have the same hope, and we all have that same faith and same hope right here in this room and those that are online, uh, and we need to challenge ourselves and let the Word challenge our hearts. Sometimes it takes someone else that's close to us to challenge us. Uh, iron sharpens iron. Uh, and there's a reason for uh, the scripture saying that. It's the same love. So Peter and Paul had the same faith, same hope, same love. And they were equality in Christ. There was no hierarchy. And so as we close this study, I just want you to uh, remember that and... Um, challenge yourself. Am I going with the status quo? Or am I going with what the culture is telling me or what's comfortable for me? You got to stop and say, well, wait a minute, who am I serving? And we're going to mess up at times. And when someone does call you out, thank them. It might not feel good at times, but it is good because we all like structure and we all have to be reminded. How many of you in here are perfect? Okay, nobody raised their hands. Somebody along the way is continuing to mold you, and you're molding yourself through the Word of God. And so take this lesson that we've learned today um, and apply it. And uh, thank God for Paul. Thank God for Peter. If it wasn't for them, where would we be today? We might not have ever heard the Word of God. And guess what? I might have never known you. Because you might have walked right by me on the street, and I would have never known you. Now, because of our equality in Christ, I can call you brother and sisters. And that's just so powerful and so wonderful. The lesson's yours. Thank you.